there's no way out I've got to show them what I've become And there's no doubt Got my back to the wall and I'm still hanging on There's no way Troubles in my life have been all the same With a strain in my mind getting hurt again There's a pain in my heart but it's just a game Gotta get over it, won't go insane Won't achieve anything while I'm down Don't wanna give out my heavy weighted frown I'm stopping this now, I'ma turn it around Heaven's on the ground, now I'm looking at the clouds Gonna make a change like a change, bigger getting changed Gonna stay the same with my mind frame rearranged Gonna wash the blue out my mind and my eyes Was I blind in my mind? Cause that was old times Cause I'm starting fresh with a clear vision You can even spell my name in optimism Just track the M's, an I and a P And then what you're left with is me Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's episode of the Zod Ryder Show. I am Zod Ryder, and you are listening to psn-radio.com. And before I introduce my awesome guest for tonight, I just want to uh, give a shout-out to Buttersoft Moisture over on Etsy. They are sponsoring tonight's episode. And um, so if you're looking for uh, any products, uh, hair care products, skin products, you know, um, shea butter, whatever you're looking for, you can find it over at Buttersoft Moisture at c.com slash Buttersoft Moisture. And you can use the code ZODS10 for 10% off of your order. So with that out of the way, I would like to introduce my special guest for today, Jonita Davis. Welcome to the Zod Rider Show, Jonita. It's so great to have you here tonight. Hi, it's great to be on with you. I've I've been super super excited, you know, to have you on the show. Ever since we had you on um, our, you know, the four nerds a, a while oh, yeah. back, and that was of course before Justice Con. And uh-huh. we've since we've since had a very very busy uh, weekend. This past weekend, Justice Con was was this huge huge fan event. So shout out to Meg and the Nerd Queens for putting yeah. the. Uh, putting this monumental event together. It was absolutely fantastic. And shout out to Nicotina for putting out the, uh, for coordinating the Crisis on Infinite Streams, which myself and the four nerds, as well as several other podcasters and YouTubers, were involved in. And it was a fantastic event. I think it was one of the, ty- one of the few events I've seen that actually made a legitimate attempt to unite a divided fan base. And I found that to yep. be, I found that to be quite amazing and quite remarkable, and and so I wanna I wanna get your first impressions of how you felt everything went overall at Justice Con this weekend. Oh, it, it was amazing. Um, so I had a panel at Justice Con, Justice Con and over at SDCC. Um, so both 
so I can I can be you know kind of. Oh wow! You can talk about San Diego Comic Con too. That's yeah. awesome! Great, great. And now I will confess, I did not see your San Diego Comic Con panel as of yet. I've been I've been all you know all living off of the hype of Justice Con, trying to come down from that. So I really didn't get a chance to see what your uh, panel for San Diego Comic Con was all about, but I'm interested in hearing you uh, discuss it. That's great. Yeah, um, it, it was all about uh, women in comics. Um, and we, we went off on a lot of, uh, of topics, but it was recorded ahead of time. So and they just dropped it at our selected time slot. Now, Justice Con was live. Um, everything was like at the like right there on the minute. And I can tell you that um, doing Justice Con was a lot more exciting. And I'm saying that this is my first time on an FBCC panel. I thought that would be like, you know, I, I'm not, I don't mean any offense. Meg and Nana and Cole, you know, I love all three of you. But I thought that my SDCC experience would be, like, amazing, like this big monumental thing. But with it being recorded and then hearing it when it dropped, it was just kind of lackluster. Meanwhile, at Justice Con, it was, like, live, and we were, like, there at the moment. And, you know, I was talking to Shiraz and and Chris and, you know, and and, and, and the Queens. And, you know, we were just, it was just like we were, it, it was, I mean, we were there. There was, like, more energy, I think. Um, because the the live version of Justice Con versus the recorded um, SDCC. Now, our conversation for SDCC was was lively, but um, it's still. I mean, with it being recorded, it was still. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't the same. But yeah, a, a pre-recorded event live is always better than pre-recorded. Yeah. So that's, I mean, and that's just you know that's just factual. I mean, in terms of mm-hmm. how everything goes like that, it, and I could tell from your panel that you really, I mean, you were really getting into the whole subject matter. I loved seeing it. I loved seeing you get <laughs> fi- a little fiery there. It was so much fun. I have to admit, yeah. you had you and. Chris and Shiraz, all on that panel, you all had a certain energy about you that I thought was great, particularly for that specific, you know, for that specific specific topic. And, you know, I love the whole idea of, you know, diversity in Zack Snyder's films. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people kind of get the wrong idea of diversity. They think that diversity means you have to remove someone and stick someone in that place and that's not what we're, what it means, it means right exactly keeping, it means keeping what's there but adding more to it and then adding more and adding more and adding more and branching out to where you've got you know you've got this big it, it's it's a lot bigger and there's a lot more to offer so nobody's talking about taking anything away at all exactly exactly to, to, to add to it and, and so i think that's i think we kind of explained that in talking about what the, you know, DC um, stories mean, you know, to us, Shiraz talked re- really great about, uh, about the immigrant story and the immigrant side of it and, you know, how, you know, too, you know, that story offers something special for them that doesn't, t- it doesn't take away from what it offers to everybody else. It's just, you know, so if you're an immigrant, there's a special kind of something there for you um, that Superman story offers. or You know, and, and Chris, you know, talked about, you know, too. You know what? What you know the the international reach of the of the whole 
um, DC fandom and yes. what it means to people who don't eat, who live outside the United States and, you know, and everything. It doesn't take away from the people who are already love them, love them from, you know, growing up. It just means that it means something special. And, and me talking about, you know, just, you know, women, black and brown people and, you know, LGBTQ people, we, we have our own takeaways and we have our own reason for loving the fandom. And again, it doesn't take away, it doesn't mean that, you know, um, that guys who have grown up with it, who see themselves in Superman, you know, um, who are, you know, the white guys of the fandom, it doesn't mean that, that it takes away anything from them. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that we have something different. It just means different. And that's all. So um, I I, I'm, I think we pretty much got that across. I hope we did. Oh, uh, I, but, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think you got it across perfectly. And I, you know, and I love I love that perspective because you know it's almost like when you say when you say comic book characters in these comic book movies, you say, oh, there's something for everybody. You know, being mixed racial racial myself, I understand that. I was a child. I was I was adopted as a child so i you know i totally um you know fell in love um at, with the superman story from a very very young age i could completely you know um see see you know the struggles and the things that for example clark was going through about being different trying to come to terms mm-hmm. with trying to come to terms with being, you know, coming from somewhere else and not knowing his origins of where he came from. A lot of the things that you, a lot of the things that you touched on in that panel, you know, hit me really hard because I could see where you were coming from about the different aspects and different elements about where, where these characters come from and how they impact everybody in different ways. And, you know, that's very important. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, there is a lot of mis a lot of misunderstanding as far as what diversity is, why we want to see it in films, why we want to see it in comic books, why it's so important to us as human beings as a whole living on this earth. And the idea is that, you know, because there's so many misunderstandings, you it, it's hard to you know it's hard to pin it down and get it so that people can can understand it in it in a more in a more simplified way so that you know so that it doesn't come off as being a one-sided argument or a one-sided viewpoint and i think i think you chris and shiraz did a beautiful job exploring all of those elements thank you thank you um we really um we tried to kind of get ourselves together beforehand and didn't really get far <laughs> because, I mean, we, we each have a certain area that we kind of specialize in. And it was kind of like, okay, well, you just talk about your stuff and I'll talk about my stuff and then we'll come together and somehow we'll have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> somehow make it, somehow make it gel together. And that's yeah. one of the things that, so, so, so since you guys didn't have it coordinated uh, going you know, going in exactly with the way you wanted to do it. How, how, how did you guys manage to make it all come together the way you did? Was it just, just simply because, because you sort of figured out a way to get on the same page throughout the course of the conversation? Or did it feel more like you just, you just figured, well, we have to come up with a way to kind of bring this all because i know there were a few times where you kind of went off in, in your own direction and then they kind of 
interjected a few times and it, it just seemed like it was it it just seemed like it was a different conversation during certain aspects but then when it all came together i was like wow that was brilliant well so, I, I think the thing is uh when um the meg put us together um she's like you guys all talk about you you're you're you talk about the same thing so yeah your part you do your part you do your part it'll come together and, and i think the the queens having the confidence that you know we all three would like you know find our way to the same you know ending <laughs> i think that kind of made it you know um it kind of gave us the confidence that yeah you know we'll we'll get there but i think also too it was just the conversation so you know something some part of the conversation you know would connect with something that i was talking about but then you know i could see like you know you could see like shiraz or chris you know kind of get an idea or see a connection and then you know kind of interject and then you know go off in their direction and you know so i think i think i think that's how you know we kind of sort of gelled it because you know each part, each thing that we all we all three talk about, they do connect. They do link, and yeah. you know, seeing those, it, it kind of took kind of talking it out, talking it through, to kind of see those links and 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 seeing where oh oh okay, I have a connection. I have a part that connects to that, and you know, and then go you know take the conversation off to another way. Um, I and I I think that's the 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 beauty of being live is you know you can do that with a conversation you can hear when someone's telling you know telling their story or, or giving their point and you know you can see you know how that connects to your own um your own point of view your own your own message and you know you can kind of make that link and then by the time you're done with the conversation everybody's you know we're kind of in you know the same mind you know almost so so yeah um i think that was like you know, they they kind of had a confidence that we'll get we would get there we would get there and you know we kind of did <laughs> and we also had moderate you know they were also moderating um, um, Meg and um, well they uh, they yeah. definitely had a you know they had definitely had a monumental task ahead of them and I, I feel I felt like they they definitely considering the fact that they. If they were new to all of this and this was something that they, you know, that they had come, that they had put together. And I mean, I feel like they did a beautiful job considering it was the first time that they'd ever done it. But I, I, I get where, you know, the idea that they, you know, that they, that they, that hosting all of the uh, panels and moderating all the panels had to have been exhausting at some point too. I mean, at one point, I was thinking after watching like two or three of the panels, I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if Meg and the Nerd Queens are going to take a break and have somebody else moderate like the next panel to give themselves a refresher. Like I was thinking, like particularly on Saturday, by the time they got to like Zack Snyder's panel, that that's what they would do. Like I, I kind of felt like they would take a break after Ray Fisher and then you, they, I mean, it was, it was, it was exhausting, you it know, was, just, it, just it, seeing it from that perspective. And I was like, my God, if they, if I know, I know how I would feel if I was hosting panel after panel, after panel, after panel. So you're, so, so yeah, that, that in and of itself was an almost uh, super heroic feat that they, that they managed to pull off. Yeah. And <laughs> so. Cole was uh, injured. Um, she, she, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I know, she and she, break. Um, and at one point she came back, you know, from her bed, 
<laughs> so, you know, just to say something to her. So, yeah. I would have. I, I mean, I, that's what I thought. I'm like, my God, it did she? Because I, I looked, and during the one panel, it really did look like she needed a painkiller. Yeah, like you could yeah, just tell in her was, face that she was suffering. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's trying to fight her way through to make this event the best, you know, make this event the best thing possible. But then she's, you know, struggling on her own. And it, it's, yeah, it, it was it was tough. So that's why I say, I, you know, I just I, I just feel feel gratified that it turned out as good as it did because it was it was it was fantastic. It was. It was it was amazing. It was amazing, and you know the the and just the you know the amount of fans that came to it. I mean, competing with SDCC, I was worried for them. I really was. I was worried that you know there's too much overlap. SDCC is so big. Oh, I wasn't. This so is not. Justice Con that that we've tra- yeah. we've had we had we've had uh, you know for example we've had we had released the Snyder Cut trending. So mm-hmm. much over these past few years, I didn't doubt for a second that if yeah. they ran, if they ran <laughs> Justice Con against San Diego Comic Con, that they would totally blow it out of the water. Which, which they did, and that says a lot, given that it was a fan, a fan coordinated event. I mean, obviously, I mean it was, it was huge, and the, and again, the, the amount of people, the amount of big, you know, big names that were associated with it, with this. Uh, with this event, and again, the the panel that you, Chris, and Shiraz did stood out to me. Uh, you know, Sean O'Connell's uh, panel stood out to me as well. And I, I just think that we're, I think we're getting to the point now where if fans are able to coordinate big events like this that can literally compete with the likes of San Diego Comic Con, it's changed things forever. What's your perspective on that? I think I think San Diego Comic Con needs to worry. I think they do, um, and Wizard Con and all those because, I mean, they they've sort of commodified the whole fan experience. They have, and so you know you have to pay so much money to get you know as close to Zach like like Zach. You know he spent an hour <laughs> talking and you know looking he reading fan comments and you know you could say something and he would see it. You know, you have to pay money for that at the cons, you know. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I know it's not just getting up to them and taking pictures and stuff, but still, you know, getting getting your view, your idea, your words to the actual person, that, you know, there's like some barriers between you and them at the cons. And for Justice Con, it's, it was just, you know, you and a computer screen, and he saw what you were saying, you know. Um, and, and I said a lot of people to a lot of people that was great i mean ray fisher too you know he was able to hear some of the the uh, questions i don't know if he was able to read them too but you know they 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 saw the fans the fans you know yes. um and you have that fan you have that interaction that you don't get at the con um because it's so it's so you know commercialized you know yes. even when you yes. pay to go meet them you only got a few seconds. You can only do certain things. And if you do something extra, it costs extra. And, and you know, um, you, and you've got these, you're, it's not you and them. It's not you and, and, and the person. It's not you and the person and other fans. It's you and them and publicists and, you know, the, the money people and all that. Other and, you know, and at, Com- and at Comic-Con, you know, they're always, they're always, you're pay- you pay your money, but then they're always rushing you on. 
to get to the yep. next person. So it's it's yep. almost it, it is it has become completely commercialized. It's all monetization to the max. So mm-hmm. you're so yeah, this kind of a virtual event is yes. huge. It's yeah, huge no, and it's free and it's 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 beautiful and it, and it does it makes it, it shows it shows that really if you can get. All, all the names that you want involved, you really don't need something commercialized like Comic-Con to have a legitimate fan gathering and to have something like what we got with JusticeCon. Right. And it shows for the stars and the creators, the directors, you know, all the editors. I mean, we had we had all these people storyboarding and artists and photographers and, you know, they they had fans just flocking to their sessions too, you know, maybe in session that, you know, so I I saw the scrolling, there was a lot of comments there when, when he was up. So, you know, there was a lot, even the creators can kind of get a piece of this. It's not just the big name star. I mean, so it wasn't just, you know, like Henry Cavill is the one person everybody wants to see. No, everybody gets a little piece of it because you're a part of it. You're a part of the, what you made, what they want, what they love. And so they want to hear from you. And so I think it, it, it kind of shows, it, it kind of allows other creators, other people who took part in the same thing, the same, you know, making the same project, they get a little piece of the gratification that they usually don't get. Um, they get to talk about, you know, part, their part, their big, and then making this big, massive thing, their important part, when usually you usually don't. And, you know, um, and also for the, you know, even for the big, you know, like Ray Fisher and for Zack Snyder, they get to talk about what they want to talk about. They don't have to talk about, they don't have a script. They don't have this thing that, you know, the, the con wants them to say, you know, or the publicist or whatever. They can say whatever they want to say directly to the people they want to talk to. There's no heckling because you don't have the naysayers. These are all people who love you, want to hear from you sitting there waiting for you to tell them what you want to say. Yeah. I I, I can't get that anywhere else. One of the things that stood out to me uh, with Justice Con more so than any other, uh, you know, convention, like in comparison to San Diego Comic Con, is how it legitimately felt to me like all of the guests were friends of the Nerd Queens. So they didn't... So it didn't come off like they f- were restrained. Like I'll like I'll give you an example. Like for me, the biggest standout of the event was Ray Fisher. When Ray Fisher got a chance to actually speak and started speaking to all of the personal things he's going on right that are going on right now uh, in his situation, it just mm-hmm. felt like he he was comfor- comfortable enough to open up about what he was going through and about how he was handling it. And, you know, you know, and for, you know, for those living under a rock listening to this, that don't understand the situation, I'm talking uh, specifically about Ray Fisher's dealings and the comments that he'd made about Joss Whedon and some of the other, uh, you know, higher ups involved uh, during the production of justice league when Joss Whedon was in control of the film. Um, He, I mean, it just felt like he would have, like, I feel like if the Nerd Queens would have let him, he would have went on and on. I mean, he would have totally, yeah. I mean, it felt like he was, he was, he like had a lot of stuff on his chest that he just wanted to release. And he had that level of comfort 
mm-hmm. with with you know with the nerd queens that allowed him to allowed him to be able to do that, and I felt that way in almost every single panel. Yeah, I mean, he's just like sitting there talking to you know the you know the your best friend next door. That's what it's right. Like, you know. Yeah. Um. So even in our panel, you know. Um, it just, it just felt like, you know, you just, just one of the, the, you know, you're just sitting there with friends. I mean, talking with, with Chris and Shiraz and, you know, with Nana and I think Meg was, I think Meg was in there. Um, but you know, they, they, it was just like, we were just sitting around just chatting as friends, um, about this, this topic. Um, and I, and that's what it seemed like when Ray Fisher was on there too, you know, just chatting to them, letting them know what's been happening with them, you know? catching him up on what, what he's going through, what he's doing. And that's all, that's all it felt like. Um, and you're not going to get that out of con. You're not. So I think that the cons, they, they need to be scared because you, you've got not only can a fan, can fans, three fans who have no experience in conventions, no experience in putting any of this together, that you get three of them can do this. Not only that, but you also have creators seeing that, oh, I can... I can manage my involvement as well. Um, oh, that, yeah. That's yeah. Problem. yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I really got, and, you know, a lot of a lot of the, you know, the criticism that Justice Khan received was just based off of the fact, well, you know, but, well, Zach didn't really show us anything. We didn't already know and all this other stuff. And I, I kind of, I got, I got kind of irritated with the, those criticisms because, and yeah. in, in my mind, Jonita, I look at it like this. This is a fan event. You literally got Zack Snyder, Ray Fisher, Ray Porter. You've got all, you got Deborah Snyder. You've got all these you got all these big names participating in this event, coming out, speaking candidly and openly about these topics. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zach didn't have to bring anything with him. The fact that he was there was enough. The fact that he said what he said was enough, as an example. Yeah. Ray Fisher, too. I don't, so I don't understand the criticisms that are being leveled at the event about about the clip that Zach showed. I don't understand the, the criticisms being leveled, you know, at the Nerd Queens, given the fact that they put everything together, you know, from top to bottom and did the best they could to deliver a fantastic event, and it was amazing, and they were 100% successful. They beat Comic-Con. I mean, it's... it's So, to me, I, I just kind of get... I, I kind of take it a little bit to heart because I say, well, this was really good. What did you expect? How did you expect it to be? If it was, a, if it was like Comic-Con, it's like you said, it would have been scripted. There would have been a lot less. It would have been even less that they could have said. Because I would be willing to bet that at Fandome, as big of an event that Fandome is going to be, they're going to be a lot more restrained about what they can say and what they can't say. Because it's an officially sanctioned and sponsored event. So they're not going to be able to come out and be as casual and open with their feelings like the way they were on Justice Con. So this kind of felt more like an, you know, an intimate portrait, an idea of getting to see them and getting that kind of like when you ask somebody, what do you really think? How do you really feel? This is what you were getting. Like when Zack Snyder said about, about how he would, you know, how he would burn the movie rather than use, uh, rather than use any of the footage that Joss Whedon shot. That was absolutely 
off the record. That's something you would say to your friends. That's something you would say to somebody in like a private chat and a private discussion. That's not something you're going to be able to go to, you know, fandom and say on a panel with with everybody involved in the movie and say, oh, yeah, I would. They would cut his mic off. Right, right, right. Descend, you know, and lawyers, the publicists and lawyers, all those people that you see waiting at the flank of the table, you know, uh, like off the side of the stage, publicists, lawyers, they're like attorneys, they're like studio execs. They would, they would flank, they would like fly fly to the table, they they would cut his mic, probably the light, everything, it'd be done. He couldn't say anything like that. And then when Ray said what he said about Joss, how he, you know, uh, how he's like, I, I don't, you know, I, I, he, how he's coming after him. He has got nothing to lose. I'm like, and he, that, again, that's something you talk to your buddies. That's just like talk you do to your buddies. You're sitting around, like you said, on a chat or something like that. You don't do that, you know, a fan con. And, you know, comparison, look at Keanu, um, two panels. He did Constantine and he did um, Bill and Ted. Keanu was like, you could tell he was like really getting into the groove of the conversation, but the moderator kept, you know, would not let him just kind of go and say what he wanted to say in the Constantine panel. Um, And then him and Alex Winters kind of looked like they were grooving a little bit and even the Bill and Ted, like they wanted to like go in and and that, that, that panel, they couldn't do it. It was like too, the time was like really strict and they, they had a set amount of things they had to talk about. And you had to do it the way you had to do it, and that's it. And you know, it was probably edited afterward. Um, so yeah, you it, it was like canned versus talking to your best friend. Yeah, yeah, the cons need to be they, they need to be scared. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, so that's where I'm thinking like like you can't you can't really. You can't really complain about the content that you got at Justice Con because you got you literally got raw and truthful opinions. Mm-hmm. You got these people speaking from their hearts, telling yeah. you what they really thought, and that is priceless. That's so much more valuable than what you're going to get at a, you know, at a at a at a company sponsored convention where it's all corporate and by the numbers so even though you're pro- you're going to probably get a lot more uh in the way of footage and clips and sneak peeks as far as what what we're going to get from the movie this was much more valuable from a personal uh fan and and you know and celeb versus versus celebrity perspective and right. again, I, I think, I, and that's why I say all the credit in the world to the Nerd Queens for what they were able to accomplish with Justice Con. I, I, I don't think we would have, we will ever get that particular perspective at anything at anything corporate in the future. It's only going to be at fan events like this that will allow that to happen. And I think this was, and I don't think there's ever been anything in the world like Justice Con either. I think this was no. the first. Yeah, I think that, well, if there has been, it's been on a much, much smaller scale. Right. I don't think there's anything. This is, and this was international, too. Yes. People are, not, are forgetting that as well. Um, and going back to, you know, you're not going to get what you're not going to get at a corporate um, event. 
if you go back to Zach's talk, he actually did a little tutorial <laughs> on camera aspects and, you know, um, and, and about shooting and, you know, shooting the movie and things. So, you know, you even got a little bit, a little bit of a, a master class. Right, right, which is something that, which was something that he just wanted to talk about, that he probably would not have been allowed to even, you know, speak a sentence on at a regular Comic Con event. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely people, you know, I I think that out because I'm like, I think people miss that you, you have to pay for these master classes. You've got one right there. Right there. Right there. You got more. Right there. You got more information about aspect ratios than you're going to get in four years of film school. And you got it right there from Zack Snyder himself. So you should be. So you should be completely happy and satisfied. And I I don't think people looked at the bigger picture. I think all they were all they were looking at was the fact that they that you know. Well, Zach, they didn't really sh- they didn't really show us anything, and it's like, well, they didn't really have to. Well, they I told mean, you everything they needed to tell you. Exactly. I it's I disagree. I disagree. I, I, I with everybody that was saying that I disagree. He showed us everything. That black suit was everything. It yeah. was everything. By I us seeing the back black suit, now we know. Now we know how the suit's going to look. It looks fantastic. That, that was uh, yeah. yeah told that it was didn't exist how long yes exactly for for the entire duration of the snyder cut movement mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and you so have it, it right there right and there it is and there it is and 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 again i mean you and i talked about this on twitter it's like they missed the point of what showing you that suit was in the first place mm-hmm. he wasn't showing us that scene because that's a scene that you know encapsulates Superman in the movie. No, he was showing us that scene to show us what the suit looks like. Mm-hmm. And showing us, you know, it's like, this is the suit. So this confirms the suit. This confirms the storyline. This confirms that it was shot before the the whole mustache gate. Um, so this shows it was a part of his original story. So yep. he, you got a couple different things in there, you know, that, that it confirms just by showing that suit. And so I think that if people were really paying attention, they would catch that. But um, I, I, I think it's just easy to complain. But you know, he he showed us something major right there, and I, I, I and he didn't have to. And the fact you know people are like after Meg two now, drop the clip, drop the clip. She doesn't have the clip. He he showed the clip, <laughs> not her. And so you know she can't drop anything. It's it's his it, it's, and. Just the fact that we got it in the YouTube. Go back to the 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 talk if you want to see the clip. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's so much. There's so yeah. much to love about what we got from Justice Con. Mm-hmm. I I, can, I just can't. I mean, you have to. I mean, and this is how you know this event was for fans because if you're a true fan like like you and I, you're gonna look. You're gonna look at it. And you're gonna see it. At, see it for all of that. You're gonna see it as, oh my God, look at all this inside stuff we got here. Look at all these these little nuggets of information that that should have us on fire and have us super super excited for what's to come. This was like this was like the ultimate fan appetizer for what we're going to get very soon. So I, to me, I don't see you know I I just don't see how you could come away from Justice Con disappointed if you are a true fan of of this material. 
I just you have I, to really make yourself angry. Like you have to really, like really, really make yourself find something. I mean, you had to be wanting to come away unsatisfied if, if that's the point. or or and yeah. I, this is what I think has happened too. I think people get so hyped that they build the their expectations up to a level that nothing can live up to. And so that when oh, they yeah. so then when they see so then when they see the event then it's just like they've built it up in their head to be something that it was never going to be in the first place. And when they once you do that, well, what you see in your head is are is always going to be better than what you what you actually receive. You know? The yeah. the set. Hang on, I'm having s- some technical difficulties. Oh, just okay. Just a second. Okay, no problem. Um, yeah. Okay. You okay? The connection lost? No, you're still you here. There? Yeah, you're still here. I can hear you. Hello? Yeah. Yep. Hello? I hear you. Hello? Yes, hello, I hear you. Hello. Hello. Okay, we have a bit of a technical issue with Jonita, but we will get her. We are going to get her back on the line for those listening. Uh, it'll be just a moment. Hell, hell. Sorry about that. that. That's oh, that's okay. Can you hear? Can you hear everything now? Okay. Yes, yes. Um, I'm actually. I think there's a little bit of a storm going overhead. Like. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess if you're, you know, um, if, are you, are you okay? Are you okay to continue, or do you need to go? Because no, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Good. Uh, yeah. No, I, I could hear you before, but I could tell you were still have you were still having issues, but and mm-hmm. I guess you couldn't hear me, and I, but I could hear what you were saying. So, yeah, uh, my phone was um, saying connection was lost, so I'm like, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> but um, but no, uh, you know, back again, back to the, you know, back to the uh, dissenters of Justice Con. I, I think that it's, I think that it's a. Uh, that was what now? That I said that had nothing to do with the nerd queens. Uh, yeah, no, no, that was personal. That, that that was people's personal expectations that they let get the better of them. I I, I really feel that that's what it is. It, you can't blame the nerd queens if you were unhappy with Justice Con. Right. Yeah, because I mean, it, it was perfectly, perfectly done, perfectly laid out. Um, they had it was planned. You knew exactly. I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing to complain about. Nothing to complain about really honestly yeah yeah i I, you know i i was i was totally and that's the thing i was totally glued to it all panels were were interesting all panels offered something new that we hadn't you know that we hadn't uh expected definitely every time somebody somebody spoke uh, we knew we we didn't know what we were going to hear. We weren't going to. Uh, and another really great panel was the, you know, Snyder Amazon's panel with, uh, with uh, Deborah mm-hmm. Snyder. That was really interesting. Like her, like Deborah Snyder's energy in that panel was off the chart. Yes, yes. 
And so I think, and I think that was another thing that was kind of shocking for people. You know, they thought, oh, it's all Zach. And it's like, no, 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 no. She's got, you know, some, she's got a lot to offer in this too. So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think having her, which was just like, you know, sitting here, it was just like sitting around the table with girlfriends. I think it was, it was great. It was all great. Um, I hope they do it again. I, I really, really do. I hope so too. Um, I I really do. I think they I think they've they've what they what they did here was prove one thousand percent that it could be done. So now mm-hmm. so now if it becomes if it were to become an annual thing, I think that that would be that would be wonderful. Do you think we'll we'll end up seeing like other cons for other fandoms at the at this level now? Yes. Yeah. I think that they've I think that they've changed things that they've set something in motion now that is only going to continue to get better and better as the years go on. I mean, and that's why when you say that, you know, Comic-Con is in trouble, I completely agree with you because, you know, you know, people, I mean, think about it. The companies themselves have already started pulling away from the cons. That's why you're yeah. going to, that's why you have DC, that's why you have DC Fandom coming out at the end of August because, because they're not they're saving their big stuff for that. They don't want to drop their big stuff at Comic-Con. Yeah, they, they didn't have much at Comic-Con. <laughs> I don't think they had much at Comic-Con at all. No, um, no, they no, they they they're saving it all for Fandom. Why? Because Fandom is their event. Fandom is their thing. So it's it's going to be all about showcasing what's what they have to offer. So I Oh yeah. I think I think uh I think Comic-Con is is uh is getting is getting hit pretty hard as a result of this. I, I especially with Justice Con uh competing with them this weekend and winning. I I that says it all. Yeah, they were even in the I mean dominated the headlines. Like I was seeing uh, Meg like links. I'm like Meg, you're you are breaking news. <laughs> and then, yeah. like a few weeks later, you're breaking news again. <laughs> yeah, you're Justice Con, again. Justice Con literally broke the internet, and I think, and and, yeah. and they're and they're breaking news to, all the time too. So it, so that was, and, and you're right, that was going on all throughout the entire event. So it, it's, I mean, every time, every time Ray Fisher said something. It was just like, uh oh, there's another headline. Every time Zack yeah. Snyder said something, there's a headline. Debbie, all of them. Every time anybody said something that was just that was that was new, that was not you know that had not been said before, and it's like, oh my god, I can't believe they just said that. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, and, and the and the queens themselves. I mean, Meg, I would like send her these headlines, and she's this is why I love her so much. She's going, yeah, that's us. Oh my god, I can see her just kind of like just fangirling and not not realizing you know that you did this you did all of this she's getting really really excited like all three of them well, um, well i kind of feel like it had to have been overwhelming in some aspects for them too just by the sheer magnitude of it all like every time because it was funny because it was like you'd see meg ever every in every panel you'd see her looking up looking up because she was you know how she was like paying attention to the chats and stuff <laughs> And it yep. would be like she'd be try- while at the same time trying to focus on the interviewing and all the stuff that they were doing. I mean, it was just it, there, there was like ten million things going on in those in those panels. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I, I, that's why I say I, I, I look at it and I, you know, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. They're, they're literally like superheroes. They should all have their own Funko Pops that are, that are yeah. uh, sold as Justice Con merch because they're literally, they were literally doing like super, super heroic things during these con- this convention to keep everything together and to keep it going as smoothly as it went. I mean, you know. I don't know. I, I just I can't. As a fan, I can't. I can't see how how they got any criticism whatsoever. As far as as how how it all turned out as a whole. I mean, yeah, haters. It's just haters mostly. Um, yeah, looking for things. I mean, there there was even. Um, I don't think they wanted they 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 were just picking. I think at at certain points because. I even, um, like, some of the comments I saw was about, you should have said this during the interview, or why didn't you ask that, or why didn't you do this, and why didn't you do that? And, right, and that, not, not, no, not realizing, well, gee, there's certain things that they really can't ask. They know this. They know that there's certain things that they cannot, that they cannot ask, or they could ask, but they're, you know, if they can't answer, you're not going an- to ask those questions. I mean, right. they, I mean you're pro- they probably were aware of what they could ask, prior to this anyway so i mean if i can give you a little bit of inside information make might kill me over this but um with zach they the the all their their topics were they went over ahead of time yeah and he approved them you know and sense. then um he sort of directed uh, a little bit you know trying to get her her lighting and her seating correct uh, you know just where she's centered and <laughs> you know oh wow that's beautiful that that's great that is great <laughs> I, I love i love the idea of like zach having a hand in it in that way too and that you makes it even that makes it even more that makes it even more damning towards the people that are criticizing the hell out of justice con it's like <laughs> what's wrong with you zach himself is coordinating what they're doing here you're, you're crazy <laughs> Exactly, and so you know he. There were certain questions he he would you know uh, he would he would ask he would he was going to answer which we all knew that you know he would there were certain things he wasn't going to give us but on the, even on the fan questions there's certain questions that you know he was not going to answer um, and so oh my fav my favorite of them all was people complaining that nobody asked him any questions about Green Lantern I'm like. But you know he's not going to answer anything in regards to Green Lantern. So why are you worrying about that? He did. He said it's on the shirt. Yeah, yeah, and that was and that was good enough. That was the all the confirmation that we needed. But people wanted, you know, you know, people are never satisfied. They wanted more. They wanted it to be. They wanted to be in depth and wanted to. And it's like, and I always say, well, really, if you really want to know anything about any particular character or anything that's in this movie it's out there if you just know where to look for it yeah it's called final crisis go go to the book (laughs) (laughs) well that too yeah so i i don't know i i i think it's i think it's all it was all amazing it was fantastic i loved all the panels i I was so and i like i said i was so happy for you chris and shiraz because you had a you had a, a a you know, you had a bang up panel. It was really amazing, and I, I, to me, I mean, as a fan, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what more, what more we could have asked for as fans to, you know, to even, to even think of it at all in a negative way. That's why I'm so baffled by the amount of 
criticism I've seen in regards to this event. But at the same yeah. time, all, all I can do is speak for myself and say that I completely, I completely loved it and and was was happy with it every moment. I thought it was wonderful, and there was so mm-hmm. much so much good to take away from it as a fan. That you know, um, yeah, I hope I hope they do it. I hope it becomes like an annual thing and it becomes more mm-hmm. you know more inclusive with other in more and coordinated like the way we had it coordinated with other with the podcasts and the and the uh youtubers with the whole crisis on infinite streams thing uh i i thought that that was i thought that that was absolutely phenomenal and if that and if we do it again next year and it's and it it's even more it's even coordinated even more on that level between uh, the nerd queens and the rest of us i think it I, uh-huh. I i i think it'll be i think it'll be even better next year yeah, and getting more of the the people who were in the background. I want to speak to. I mean, I would love to talk to the editor. I want Chris Terrio on uh, Terrio on there. I want Terrio you know, would have been a phenomenal a phenomenal panel. So many other people <laughs> that we could get, and then you know maybe special guests. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they could get, if you they know, could get, but see, that's what a lot of doors are going to open now too as a result of this. That's the yeah. other thing, you know. Once you see, once something like this happens, it changes. It's it, in a lot of ways, it's a lot like the Snyder Cut itself. Think about mm-hmm. it. For all these years, where we we kept hearing, "Oh, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen." Because if it happens, it's going to open Pandora's box and change the way things are done. And now it's like, yeah, it's happening. So that's already it's changed everything just by virtue of the fact that it exists and it's going to be released. Uh huh. Yeah, so, and, and it's, starting, it's like it's like Flashpoint. It split the universes <laughs> for the movies. <laughs> I mean, you've got now got the Snyderverse movies, and you have the regular, you know, WB stream that they had already planned. So that's how epic it is. <laughs> um, it's already split the universe. Um, but no, um, I think that people talking about Pandora's box and, and everything and, and, and what it can do. You, we're going to empower fans. They, they were like, now fans are going to have the power to dictate, you know, what happens with films. I'm like, and that's a problem. Why? Because, I mean, we already do that with our dollars when we buy tickets, right? Um, and yes. when we stream. So we already do that anyway. Why not have that voice beforehand and saying that we back the director and we back the writers and we back all of these people and we want to see what they made, not what you think they should make. So why not have us, you know, advocating for the creators ahead of time and also giving you our money later? Um, what's what's so bad about that? I don't I don't understand what's so bad about that. Um, and that, that's that's like one of the, the complaints about the, the changes. And, the, and, and I think um, the another thing about Justice Con, another benefit, it shows how powerful the fandom is. It shows just how powerful how big and how big and um, powerful that you know that we're worldwide. There's so many of us that you know we're bigger. We're bigger than Comic Con, <laughs> you know. Um, that's got people have got to be looking at that, and that's got. I mean, it's got to scare some people, but it's got to be. You know, some people are, have to look at that and think this is amazing. The power of fandom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's 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 really quite quite an interesting way to look at it the power yeah. of fandom being big enough to be all encompassing and take over uh 
take over from Comic Con, and mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's like the fans taking it all back. Yes, that's what it is. The fans taking it back. It's like we're not giving you our money for you to give us maybe something that is close to what we want to see, maybe something close to what we want to hear. We've already given you our money, and you gave us something that wasn't even what we were promised. We were promised a movie from this guy and a movie with these characters, and you gave us something that was half-assed. So you know what? We're going to do this on our own. We'll do it on our own. And, uh, you know, two years, you know, it took two years, but two, three years, but, you know, we have now the Snyder Cut's coming. And then we have Justice Con, where we got to talk to, you know, we, we did our own interviews. We did our own, you know, in-depth look. And we did our own showcasing of, you know, um, of the talent and did our own, you know, the previews. Everything that we, we go to, you know, um, the, the corporate sponsors for, the corporate people for. I mean, San Diego Comic-Con is corporate, you know, just like the studio. So, you know, they, they're, in the same, they're in the same boat right now. It's like we gave you our money the first time around and look at what you did with it. Now we, we're doing this ourselves and look at what we've done with it. We've got the Snyder Cut and Justice Con. Yeah, and it's and it now it's now it's filtering into other things. You've seen the you know, the campaign to release the air cut of Suicide Squad. There's a campaign yes. out there now to release the Schumacher cut of uh of Batman Forever. I mean we're it's 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 branching off now into all and it's so funny because it's all directed at the towards the same company. So I wouldn't yes. be surprised if we're going to get. I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get everything because they they want they AT and T seems like they're really really interested in making sure that the fan base is happy because like you said they've seen the power they've seen what what the fan base can do now. So. Yeah, they know where the money's coming from. They know where they where they know where they're getting the dollars from. So yeah, they're gonna. I think I think we've caught some eyes, and it and we've caught the attention of people who can put their egos aside and actually listen, and that's the important part. I think we were dealing with before, or the fandom was dealing with before, um, a bunch of people who had their egos and 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 ahead of everything else. You know, we're not going to submit to fans, but now you're listening. You got people who are like, oh, okay, these are customers. <laughs> customers are always right. Let's give them what they want. Exactly. So. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a it's a it's it's a new day when you see a big corporate company like this actually taking customers and fandom seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think I think it's it just it, it's just the way that the change occurred. It's just a beautiful thing to see, and and I think it, and I think it bodes well for the future of of cinema and TV shows and the comics and all this. I mean, what do you think the overall impact of this type of a movement and this type of a fa- of a of a of fan coordination is in the long run? I think okay, so you you have a lot of my colleagues in journalism <laughs> that are saying that it's the ruination of it all. Um, that we had a system yes. working, um, but I, I I differ. You know, being an actual fan myself, I I think that we had a system that was not.
just telling us what we want. Um, Sorry. I'm sorry. It seemed I, I think your your, your call dropped. Your call dropped again. I did. I didn't. It did. I, it did. I didn't hear any. I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, okay. I'll repeat it. I said it. It, it was. Um, so unlike my colleagues, I, I think that it's it's uh, it's now. You know, the, the before the corporations were telling us that okay, this is what we're giving you, and this is what you want. We did the numbers and the statistics and you want this and we're like no we don't <laughs> we don't want this and they're like yes you do the numbers say you do and we're like no we don't we're telling you we don't want it and we've been that's the way it's been going for years that's the system that's allegedly worked now they will actually have to come to the fans or to you know de defer to the fans um first you know, or during, you know, while this is going on before they make any of these decisions anymore or, you know, well, not or and two, the second part is um, they've, they've learned that the fans actually do trust creators. So when you do attach a creator to a project, you better stick with them for unless there's a good reason to take them off or the fans are going to go crazy, you know, because we we kind of do our research. We know these guys. We, we watch their stuff. And when you attach them to a project, we already have a, a, you know, kind of an idea of what we're going to get and we want to see it through. And so when you take them off and kind of fire them midway without any, with the, you know, especially in an unjust way, like the, the Snyders were done, then, you know, it kind of, it, it hits home to a lot of us because a lot of us are working these, you know, jobs that are terrible and that we get done all kinds of ways anyway, you know, especially if you're working in some like retail or fast food, like I used to work. Um, those jobs are not great. And so you know how you know how it feels and you don't want your creator being done like that. Um, so now the fans, they're, they're coming to the fans and they're knowing that they're seeing the power of the fandom and they're seeing that fan, fans not only have a voice, that that voice is loud and that voice is powerful and that voice can end up, you know, making a lot of trouble and costing a lot of money for the company. Or if you work with them like HBO Max is, it could end up making you a lot of money. So I, I think the changes for the best. So, so it's becoming almost an organic partnership in a sense. Yes. You want us to pay you. So you give us what we want and you continue to make content that caters to us because we're paying you instead of thinking, you know, better than us. So that's yeah. essentially a, and that, and that, that's really how it should be because think about it. If you go to a company that makes a custom product and you tell them you want specifics and you want all these things done and you send out, you know, you pay your money for this custom product and they send you something that isn't what you ordered, you could send it back and refuse to give them your money for that. It's right. So why can't, why does think, why do things have to be any different when it comes to cinema or television series? Trust your creatives, trust the people that you put in these places, and trust your fandom. Right, right. And, and, and you, you will always come out the way that you need to. And, and um, I, I don't see any problem with that, I actually. Um, I mean, because like before, like the Nielsen ratings, I mean, yeah. who was taking those yeah. ratings? Who was doing those 
those that's what I always I always wondered about those. I, not only that, I always wondered about the people who were the people that actually had Nielsen boxes in their homes. Exactly. Those are not people like us, like fans. You know, you got your broke ass fans who were eating ramen and you know saving our money for the con. <laughs> you know what little money we get. We don't can't afford no Nielsen. Whatever. Right, right. You got a box. So you, what you're too, what the people, the people that had the the fortunates that had those boxes in their house were the people who were being counted. So that's how our content, I guess, was being was being made for many, many decades. I guess. I mean, I don't, you know, because it seems like. But what's that? What that shows is that they were going to a very small minority of people uh, to get there you know, to get their ideas of what works and what doesn't. And now Mm -hmm. they're seeing, now they're seeing just how much, you know, just how much they've missed out on over time. Now that they're kind of changing their business model, at least as far as like, say, for example, what AT&T is doing. And I think what was the big turning point for all of that was when you look at, look at movies like Sonic the Hedgehog and Joker. I think those were two of the biggest examples of movies that, they they realized that by listening to the fans, they're going to get what they wanted. They didn't expect Joker to be what it was, but the fans came out and supported it, and it, it became huge. And look at Sonic the Hedgehog, the fan outcry over the way Sonic the Hedgehog looked, and they had to go in and change it to make him look more uh, video game accurate. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. and it, it turned out to be, I think, I think it's one of the highest grossing video game movies of all time. So, oh. I mean, yeah, I didn't know it made that much money, but I think it did. I I knew it did well after after the change. I mean, because yeah, that first one they had was not going to make it. It was I even I was like, I'm not that much of a Sonic fan, and I'm like, I'm I cannot watch that creature. <laughs> well, yeah, he looked like he looked horrible initially. Yes, yeah. I mean that was I mean that was definitely uh, a kind of a slap in the face to people that love the character. Because if you actually look at the at the character, he's cute and he's he's got a lot of, you know, certain things that that they went when they when they changed him to how he was supposed to look. Yeah, it actually does look like a Sonic the Hedgehog from from the actual games. So I can see why they would they would benefit from making that change and listening to the fans. Yeah, that's why <laughs> it's a di- it's a difference from a flop and a success. Yeah. Right. That's why I don't see how, you know, this could be um, any, it, it, it could make any problems for studios. But, I mean, you still have, like I said, I've got a, a ton of colleagues that, you know, well, that have written all kinds of think pieces otherwise. And I just. I well, the reason why is because it makes it makes them it makes their opinions less relevant in the grand scheme of things. If companies know that they can go directly to fans to please fans, like for example with, you know, with the Snyder cut, this is a direct response to the fan outcry. So if you have mm-hmm. that, how there it's no longer, you know, the critics that are writing up all of these negative reviews and are dictating, you know, what films we should watch and what we shouldn't watch, they're somehow less relevant now because they know that they're pleasing the fans. They're not doing this for the critics. So when you take mm-hmm. a movie like the Snyder cut and you put it on HBO max and it all being all about streaming, it bypasses all that altogether. 
You know, the only yeah. time that the critics can really influence anything anymore is when it comes to like a theatrical release. Because yeah. they can, you know, they can tank a movie before it hits theaters because it's, you know, it's something that they, you know, people will read the review and say, oh, that looks terrible and then not go to see it. So I think that's what it, that they're afraid of. It's not that it's a bad thing in terms mm-hmm. of how, how it, how the movies are made and it's going to keep the companies well funded and fans very happy, but you know, critics and all that, they're, they're upset because now it takes them out of the, the equation. Yeah, I don't think it takes that takes them out. And you know, I'm a critic too. <laughs> I think I think critic fans and fans who are critics like I am, to to us it excites us because we get Well to yeah, talk for about- you for you, but you're but you're in a different category than the people complaining. That's what I'm saying. The ones complaining oh, yeah. are, are, are not are not seeing it that way. They're seeing it as oh now the sky is falling because now they're catering to fans and fans are the scum of the earth. That's it- yeah, that seems yeah. to be the mentality. Yeah, yeah, and it's not going to get and it's not going to get better the longer this continues until until those critics start to see things a different way and start to adapt their model and adapt mm-hmm. their opinions based off of what the what the new ideal is for companies dealing directly with fans. Yeah, well, it, which it shouldn't take that though. I mean, because I mean, very this true. Off on a tangent, but when as a critic, you're supposed to be thinking about the audience. One of the number yes. one, thing, one of the, that's one of the criteria you have of criticizing a movie is who is this made for? That you're that's one of the first things you're supposed to be thinking about, or one of the top things you're supposed to be thinking about. Who is this movie made for? And then you kind of adjust accordingly. Um, that's one thing I never understood is why that that has has never been a part of you know some of these big mainstream criticisms that I'm reading. Why is this film is made for such and such? So I will just such and such. Not I hate this. I because of this and I don't understand this and this is not of my experience and I don't I I don't see think this is plausible. You know type of thing. It well, what if it's not made for you? Okay, so take yourself out of it then. Is it okay for the audience it was made for? That's how you're supposed to. I mean, I, well, I was trained trained in literature too, you know. So maybe lit criticism is a bit different. It's not supposed to be, but you know, um, me devil's advocating advocating myself, um, saying that you know maybe, but you know, you're supposed to you're supposed to audience is right up there in some of those things that you're supposed to be judging when you're writing a criticism of anything. Who is it made for? And that's the one thing that seems to be lost in all, all this negativity of critics versus fans thing that's going on. Is the critics are are missing out on who is this stuff made for, and then then judging accordingly. And so, if you don't have the ability to, as you say, take yourself out of it and see it from the perspective of the person that it's made for, then mm-hmm. that makes then that makes that critic ill-equipped to review that movie. Exactly. Exactly. And and, I, and that's what I don't understand. And that's where, but that's where you get into the whole area where you have some critics who are paid to write a certain type of review. So they'll write a review of, a, a review for a movie that they haven't even seen. They'll have the review written well before they even see the movie. If they see the movie, they put the puff piece out 
and it's it's based on whatever what whatever point of view they were paid to promote. So, you know, in that way, it kind of they kind of delegitimize themselves by being open to certain to those types of things. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Seeing from your from your perspective as a, as a critic, I mean, have you ever been in a situation where where somebody has come to you, where a movie studio has come to you and said, "Hey, write this review, uh, write a positive review for this movie, and we'll pay you X number of dollars, and if you do this, then we'll conti- we'll we'll give you we'll offer you set visits and various other things for future promotions of future films i mean i mean if i'm i'm not had that offer i mean i'm not being approached that way at all as broke as i am they probably could have no i was still would have um i listen i've gone on set visits and i've done junkets and i know how luxurious they are i've never been paid any money you know unfortunately um, but, um, I've never, but, uh, you know, they, they did put me up at some, like great hotels. I stayed at the W and the Four Seasons and, and Beverly, in the middle of Beverly Hills. Um, I've oh, wow. Been, okay. That's and, nice. You know, um, I, I, I've been to Canada so many times. Four times. I, I was talking to your, um, one of your colleagues today about one of my first visits uh, to see the Shazam movie while it was being put on in toronto and i talked to um uh sandberg the director um so i've I've gone on those things you to go on those things you are making no promises they don't make you promise to give them a good review there's no they don't ask that they know better um but they do you know want you to show you the best time and put you in the best mood that you could be in to see it you know so, you know, you kind of get the implication that they want a good review. Um, but I tell them when I, you know, like, there was a movie that I saw that I did not like at all. I, I could not get myself to give it a good review at all because it, it was just too, it was not good. And so I, I told, I mean, it was Universal Studios. They flew me out to, to L.A., stayed in the middle of Beverly Hills. It was so nice. I wanted to live there so nice. Um, and, and, and I went, I met, um, I met Robert Zemeckis of all people dream come true for, you know, a, a TV kid, you know, who grew up watching eighties and nineties movies, you know, um, to sit with him for a few minutes and talk. But after we, when we watched the movie and I went to write my review, I told the rep, I'm not going to give you a good review. I won't put it out immediately, but it's not going to be good. And they said, okay. And it didn't stop them from giving me other, uh, you know, taking me, sending me other places and doing other things. But but they knew that I'm, I would be honest. And I noticed that they were sending me on place, taking, sending me to movies that they knew that I, there was something in there that I would like, you know? So I noticed that, but. Um, really? So they so they actually paid attention to your to to your taste in movies, basically. Yeah. Yes, and I think that if you're a critic and you take the time to make those relationships work, I think I think a lot of it is you get kind of it's easy to get starstruck by all that by all of that it's because it's it's a lot of glitz and glamour. Um, my 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 photo you see here was done on the set of um, 
I mean, done for a junket for breaking in. And that, that was like professional make my first time having professional makeup done. Um, to, on my face, I just kind of, you know, um, never had that, that type of pampering, you know, the level of pampering is like unreal. Um, <laughs> and, and it, it, it's easy to kind of get lost in it. But I think that if you kind of, if you're the type of person who knows that, okay, I still have a job to do, I'm still going to do that job. And if you're honest with the people that, that are repping the film, I think they, they appreciate that a lot more than, you know, someone going in and just writing them a good review just because you got this trip. That's not going to make them want to give you a, give you more um, necessarily. Um, but um, I think it compromising yourself, you're doing that. The ones who, who have compromised themselves, they've done it and they didn't have to. Sorry to tell you that, people. If you're listening, if those critics are listening, <laughs> that's a good that's 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 a good point to make because I think a lot of people feel like, oh yeah, they're putting me up. I can do all this as long as I continue to give them positive reviews, regardless of if the movie is trash or not. Then I then I'll continue to get called to write more positive reviews for trash <laughs> movies. <laughs> no, the only thing they they require you to do when they put you up is they require you to tweet about it. And to write about it. If you tweet about it and you write about it, you fulfilled your part, and that's it. I mean, so you know, I, I don't. I think I think the people who do compromise themselves to get more of these trips and more of this everything, I think those are the ones they're going to end up having to reckon with themselves. Because in the long run, it's people who are honest, and it's more than just me who are the people who are like, okay, I'm going to tell you if your movie's trash. Whether you put me up in a nice place, gave me nice food, thank you very much for that, but your movie's garbage. I'm going to tell you that, we're going to be honest, and we'll work something out. Like, I mean, I'm not going to put my review out opening weekend. I'll wait. You know, I don't want to tank your movie. I mean, that's not what I'm here to do. Because there's a lot of people who went into this movie and put a lot of work in it. I'm not going to tank it just because I don't like it. I'm, I'm going to wait and give it a chance, give people, working people a chance to make their money whatever money they're going to make. And then I'm going to put my, my bad review out. But I think people have got, uh, people started to notice, people will start to notice that, you know, Oh, you didn't review this right away. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I just, well, I mean, is that, is that better or worse when, when you say, when you say to them, well, it was a crappy movie. I'm not going to give it a good review, but I'll hold off. on putting it out for a little while. I mean, does that, does that mean anything to them at all? I mean, do they even care, or is it just something that you're saying to them as a courtesy? And, and, and they appreciated it because um, because it was a courtesy for them because I didn't my they, my score was going to be low, and but I didn't put it out there opening weekend to tank their numbers before people go out and see this, you know. So I was able to um, they were able to you know have whoever who liked it all their their critics who loved it they put their scores up and you know my negative score my, not my negative score but my rotten score came you know the next weekend or a, a couple days later so i think it like i said it gives it a chance to organically kind of make what it's going to make just from people saying oh that trailer looks interesting let me go um because again there are working people working on this movie i, I learned uh since even since that doing that i've learned more about the people working behind the scenes on this movie on these movies and they've got livelihoods and families and you know and, and they put a lot of sweat 
intimate sweat and, you know, tears into these movies. They want, I mean, you don't want to take them right away, but don't have that opening weekend exhilaration. And then you go in with your honest opinion, you know? This way, it yeah. kind of feels well. That well, that makes logical sense. I mean, and and I could see, I could see why, you know, that would be that would be beneficial on both sides. But you know, I mean, how do you feel about like the practice that Rotten Tomatoes has, where they hold, where they literally will hold scores and not show scores until until the movie opens? Is that the, is that the right thing to do, or is it just? Should you ju- should you just should you just release the scores once the movie once people you know critics have seen the movie regardless of if they're good or bad? Well, I think they did that because there were a lot of people artificially taking the scores of certain movies. So when you have to implement something like that, because you've got a bunch of jerks that are doing that, I <laughs> yeah. It has to be what it has to be. Um, I think that they need to go in and figure out who the critics are that are doing that. And they need to do something about those critics. And maybe, like, you know, maybe it's time to go in and, you know, um, and re- and look at who you've got reviewing movies and get them out of there, you know. Or, you know, maybe hold their scores until mm. opening weekend or something yeah. like that. There needs to be something. Yeah. I, think, I think they need to, to have a better handle on... Um, who's interviewing and what they're interviewing, who's who's critiquing and and reviewing and what their ratings are and what they're doing because I think a lot of these people are giving ratings on movies that they have no no business giving ratings on or they're giving like rotten scores to movies that that, you know, that aren't even made for them, that they they don't even relate to, that has nothing to do with their movie is good or bad, it's just that they didn't get it because it's not made for them. Um... Case in point, um, American Son. Um, that's a movie with Kerry uh, Washington in it. Um, there's a, there's a lot of of men, of you know, uh, you know, older white men who tanked the. They they gave it a lot rotten scores because they they said it was boring. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. It was it was in you know that had nothing in there for them. It was just in one room and it it wasn't dynamic enough. And there was no there was it was flat. But then when you when you look at those scores and you look through and you find the scores of like women and black women, you saw, you know, Oh, this relates to me as a mother. And, you know, her dialogue was so moving and it was refreshing. And this is like something that everybody needs to see. And it was, you know, parents, you need to go see this type of movie because it, it gets to the heart of, you know, raising kids in this, this world, raising black children or children of color in this world. And, you know, some of the, the issues and, um, I think that certain critics, uh, those critics before they gave it the rotten scores, they shouldn't have even been reviewing that movie right away because it wasn't for them and they didn't relate to it. And they, they actually should have stepped aside actually, and maybe should have given it to somebody who could have related to it a little bit better Um, because it wasn't about being good or bad. It was just that they, they they didn't get it um, at all. And I know my review, I, I gave it a great review. I ended up sharing my review with this huge group of mothers of black sons and all of those mothers, they, they, we all had a good discussion about how, how much they, that movie touched them, you know, but you know, they were black moms. Um, so I think that practice of holding the scores for the weekend of going back to that, maybe, um, instead of doing just a blanket, 
maybe you should be looking at, you know, who's reviewing what and what their record is. And, you know, maybe you should be, this should be selectively like, okay, we're going to put the mute button on you for now and, you know, let these others, you know, yeah. tell people what's actually going on, you know? Yeah, that's, 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 I mean, that sounds fair and it totally makes logical sense. I mean, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. you know, and and you know, it's because like a good thing is that you're not gonna you're not gonna get you know get rid of negative reviews altogether. You know, negative no, reviews no, no. are never gonna go away, and and nor should they if they're legitimate mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But at the same time, yeah, just just doing it just to be a jerk and just to go and you know tank a movie just for whatever reason is is definitely wrong. So. It is. It is. And, you know, that whole and the whole thing where, where, you know, I don't know, the phenomenon of not looking at who the audience is for the movie and not considering that. I mean, that's a whole other issue that I think needs to be explored in the industry. Um, I don't know how people are able to get away with that because you're scoring your your the scores of movies. I think a lot of movies are being scored low when they should be because they're being scored by people who movies not made for. Um, and example uh, for me is like Stuber (laughs) and the movie Stuber. I hated it. I I cannot stand that movie, but I did not give it a total rotten score because I looked at it from the standpoint. I'm I'm not the audience for this. And I, I thought about the audience for it. And I thought, what would my 17 year old son think of this movie? And, you know, maybe up to, you know, my um, 25-year-old son-in-law. What would they think of this movie? This is the, that's the audience for the movie. You know, not me. You know, 40-something-year-old black woman. We're not the audience for Stuber. So I had to take myself out of it, put myself thinking about those guys. And I judged it based off of their, what, what that type of audience would think of the movie. I think I gave it a 3.5 or 3.5. Because it did have the elements of a one of those slapstick movies um, that they they watch. It had all the the elements of that type of a comedy that it needed to be there for that type of movie. And I put in my review, this is what who this is for. And if you're that type of person, you're going to enjoy it. Um, so yeah. Sorry, I, I, when I start talking about this stuff, I kind of get go off. <laughs> well, no, it, I, it's it's fascinating to to you know to know the you know the process that you go through, uh, being a critic of these movies and take and that whole idea of you taking yourself out of it and and trying to mm-hmm. see it from the perspective of who the movie was made for. I think I, th- I find that to be very very interesting. Yeah, I, because, I I used to think it was the norm. I thought it was the norm until I started like really critics are yeah it doesn't it it doesn't look like it's the norm because it doesn't seem like that's what people do like people don't you know people don't care if if the movie is made if the movie is made for me or if it's not if i don't like it i don't like it so you just say what what you feel about it but that's but it's a it's a really really good point that you make because yeah if you can't take yourself out of it of course you're gonna have a have a bias if you if you didn't like it because it wasn't made for you Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, I mean, that's what criticism is about, though. I mean, I, I, I learned that I, that's how I was taught criticism for literature. And even growing up, you know, I listened to um, um, to Ebert um, and uh, I can't remember 
his partner. Oh my gosh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I, I grew up listening to those guys every week, and I remember them talking about well, the audience for this type of movie would probably be da da da, and they you know they would say well this movie doesn't work because of these elements of this of that type of genre aren't there or something. I remember seeing stuff like that, you know um, when I was younger. And so when I when I picked up uh, literature, you know, in college and, you know, and for my undergrad and then in grad school, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is like so it connects, you know. And and so, you know, writing criticism that to me, it, that's the natural part of it. That's what criticism is. You're like you the, the, the genre, the audience, you know, the, all of that is a part of it, you know, and not just the characters and the themes and you know, and, 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 you know, how it connects that those are parts of it too, but you've got these other elements that you need to consider. Um, and I've always thought they were, they were linked in into there until I got into the industry and saw that not everybody does it that way. And they call it a style choice. (laughs) A style choice. (laughs) Well, well, I mean that, that could explain though, that could explain why there are so many, why there were so many negative reviews for certain? There's so many negative reviews for certain movies, though, because people yeah, like don't have the ability to separate themselves from the actual movie. Yeah, like Zach's movies. You got people who taint Zach's movies because they just because it's a Zach movie. And I'm like, I, I never understood that. <laughs> you know? Okay, so but okay, to take your your hate for him out of this. What about this movie right here, right now? Is yeah. bad or good or whatever, and they don't seem to be able to do that, you know. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it explains a lot, though. Like you, like you, because you could clearly see, for example, if you take Zack Snyder's movies, the example you gave, you can clearly see that. Yeah, if a lot of these critics took themselves out of it and saw it from the perspective of the people who love these movies. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, they would be they'd be giving a lot more positive reviews. Yep, Sucker Punch for example, people talked about Sucker Punch so bad, um, anti-feminist. It was all this, all this, and I'm like, but okay, so who's the audience for Sucker Punch? You know, it's not you know the older older crowd. Even though I liked it, <laughs> um, it's ironic because we still haven't seen. Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. Both of the cuts that were released for that movie were compromised. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. I, I... But both cuts were, were compromised by the studio and were not what Zack Snyder originally intended for Sucker Punch. His, his, his alleged cut of Sucker Punch that he wanted everybody to see has not been released. So. Wow. Wow. Is it like, was it like, is it finished like Justice League or was yeah, it just, yeah, you know? no, it's, it's finished. It's completely done. It's just not the movie that it's not the version that Warner Brothers wanted to give. Warner Brothers released two versions of the movie, released a theatrical cut and an extended cut. And while the extended uh-huh. cut is a little bit closer to what Zach had initially intended, it's not what Zach intended. And from what I've heard, Zach's, uh, Zach's cut of Sucker Punch is like apples and oranges compared to the to both of the cuts that exist right now. So, 
That's just well, it, it's just another one. example. It's just another example of you know, the, of not trusting you know not trusting the creative to make the movie they wanted to make. And Sucker Punch was an original idea from mm-hmm. top to bottom of Zack Snyder, and yet the studio still meddled with it and ruined it to the point where Zack doesn't take ownership of either cut that's out there. He's like, you haven't, I think he said on, I think he said on Vero, you still haven't seen uh, my cut of Sucker Punch. Wow. Okay. So that was a bad example, but, but, um, (laughs) but I still, I liked it because it was original. I've never seen anything like that. Talk about, you know, um, the, the concept that he came up with was so novel that it just kind of blew me away. Um, and I'm like any critic who like sees this concept, just the concept and you're not blown. You're not, you can't marvel at it as somebody who loves film then there's got to be something broken in you, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it yeah. It, I mean, it kind of gets at the heart of, you know, kind of, well, um, I'll, like that, that type of trauma. It gets at the heart of it, you know, and uh, in a way that I've never seen before. So, um, I, I, you at least have to give it points for that. And I didn't see any of that. I just saw people. Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely original. It definitely has a lot of new elements and I'm, I'm super excited at the prospect of maybe we'll get Zach's uh, true version for this movie on HBO max. Do you think, do you think they will release it? Yes, I believe they will because HBO max is, is uh, fast becoming the, hub for director's cuts for Warner Brothers movies. I mean, they put the director's cut of Dr. Sleep on HBO Max. Yeah, which, my husband said that. He saw that. He saw it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, wait which, a minute. That's an He's like, wait a minute. This isn't the Dr. Sleep we saw. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you watching? And so, we, you know, he didn't realize he was watching the director's cut. Yeah, yeah, there's the director's cut. I mean, I mean they took off, they took the theatrical version of Batman v Superman off of HBO Max and replaced it with the ultimate cut, which is Zack's director's mm-hmm. cut for Batman v Superman. So, they're 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 going to I think HBO Max is going to be the home for a lot of director's cuts, which is why I don't doubt we'll get the air cut of Suicide Squad. I don't doubt we'll even get the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever. I think we're going to get all that because HBO Max now realizes that there's a market for these kinds of things. So, well, yeah, and they need they need a thing. I mean, because after Netflix, Netflix is a home of like that independent that 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 story that is a little weird, but it may be good. We're gonna take a chance on it, type of thing. Right. So you know, Netflix they like corner the market on that on the little kind of weird story that that's like, oh, it's actually good. Everybody needs to see it. You know, like if you were told the the concept for Bird Box, you wouldn't watch that. <laughs> it's like it's like, but when you watch, but when you watch that movie and you say to yourself, "My God, this is!" I mean, so many people watched that movie. That movie yeah. was a massive success. I mean, and a lot of people, you got to watch Bird Box. You got to watch Bird right. Box. You know, telling people you got to watch it. I and, remember and it being was, at work and hearing and hearing that all hearing that all day. Hey, have you checked out yeah. Joseph? Have you checked out Bird Box yet? Have you seen Bird Box? I, I remember that till I finally sat down one weekend and finally watched it. I was like, 
Okay, I, I could see, I could see why where it would be. But my my issue with Bird Box was I thought they were setting you up for a series of films. I kind of mm-hmm. got this got this it impression did. that it was going to go somewhere, and I've, so so I I wasn't disappointed in it in terms of what it was. I just it left me wanting more, which was I which was what I think uh, you know a lot of how a lot of people felt about it, but. Um, yeah, but I mean, just based off of, you know, people telling you what it was going to, what it, people tried to tell me about what it was before I watched it. I was like, why would I watch something like that? You just got to see it. Okay. You just got to see it. You know, and that, that to me, that, that encompasses like most of Netflix movies. <laughs> so right. HBO Max, to, to like exist, you got to need something. And ha- being the per the place to go for the, for the, the creator's version is like, genius if that if they end up taking that as their thing um i think they'll they'll end up just making money hand over fist but with that well because, also also right. because they've made their they've made their their name i mean uh at&t has has gotten so much goodwill just by virtue of the fact that they're releasing the snyder cut so mm-hmm. now if HBO Max just takes that creative, that love for creatives and that, that new appreciation for fans and creative visions, and they mm-hmm. just run with it, they, I mean, yeah, that's what's going to separate them from all these other streaming services. Because Netflix, Netflix is already the, has, is already kind of dubbing themselves of, of being for the creatives. Because from what mm-hmm. I've heard about how movies are made with Netflix, they give a creator money. They throw the money at the creator and tell them make the movie you want, and they don't interfere with with the yeah. creative process. So yep. Netflix sure. has already got that has already got that that covered. So so mm-hmm. with HBO Max, they need to just at least be the company that releases the director's cuts of their studio's movies. And if they can do that, I think I think they'll I think they'll be on to something. Yeah, because their studio is notorious for, you know, just kind of micromanaging everything. And I don't know why, because, I mean, they every time they micromanage something, it doesn't turn out well. And it's like, no. they've got example after example after example of that. So why continue doing it? It's the, it's the very definition of insanity. And to me, yeah. I, that's what I, that's what I'll never, I'll never get. Like it, is it, is it just, is it because the studio feels they need to have a hand in it in some way? Is it, is that what it is? Or is it that they truly don't trust the creatives who make their movies? I, that's the whole the whole argument I feel like, because when you hire a director, a certain director known for a certain style to do a certain type of movie, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised with what you get from said director. So if you don't mm-hmm. want that director's stamp on that particular movie, hire another director who's going to do it more in line with the way that you want it done. That's the way I always right. looked at it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. If you wanted Joss on Justice League, you should have hired him in the beginning and not put Zach on, or, on this you know why you yeah or shelved that? it shelved shelved the movie that Zach was making all together and take mm-hmm. Zach off of the movie completely and then wait 
and let and let Joss Whedon come back and do his own version of Justice League. Because if because if yep. Joss Whedon was able to make a different Justice League movie, it wouldn't have been anything like what we got. Joss would have did his wow. own thing. It would have been a completely different Justice League movie. It, pro- it might not have been any better, but it definitely would not have been what we you know what we got. And and the idea that they, you know, that they would do that, but that's how you know that in the case of Justice League, it was all about the uh, executives getting their bonuses. It had nothing to do with yeah. the actual creative content itself. Because if they were going to go to all that trouble, all they needed to do was just wait for Zack Snyder to come back after he had taken some time off. Let wait mm-hmm. for Zack to come back and finish the movie. Just delay the release of the movie. Don't. But they couldn't delay the release of the movie because then they wouldn't have gotten their bonuses. So they had to bring somebody in who could work quickly and get the job done. And I think that that's that's what you know. That's what why they went they went to Joss and why they did what they did. I don't think their their intent really would have been to take Zack off the project per se. But they used that tragedy as a way to you know, change the direction just to get the movie out in time for them to get paid. Before December 31st. <laughs> and before December 31st, right? <laughs> right. End right. of the year. So, right. So it's, it's, to me, it's like you, it's like when you, when you sacrifice quality because you think you're going to, because you stand to personally benefit, that was the problem with, with Justice yeah. League. Too many, too many people that didn't care about the actual product stand to benefit from it being released regardless of what state that it was in. All we have to do yeah. is look at Henry Cavill's face and we and we know the answer to that question. So <laughs> <laughs> You don't even need Ray Fisher's NDA face. <laughs> no, not at all. And 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 the the idea that they you know, the idea that okay, we're gonna slim it down to two hours so that we can get as many butts in the seats as possible, we can maximize profits that way, and then we don't even care about the CGI. So what if Henry Cavill's face looks like he's having a stroke in every scene? It doesn't matter. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and just throw that in there so that we can get our bonuses. Yeah, don't even worry about it. It looks like a cookie cutter because you had to cut, you know, the 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 heart of the story out of everything, <laughs> probably every other scene. Um, let's not even look at that either. Um, that fans uh, fans won't they won't notice they won't notice it would, that it looks like it's broken. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just <laughs> that's, that that's funny to me. That is very very funny to me. Yeah, it's very telling and it it means it, it makes a whole huge difference and it just goes to show that even that even Joss Whedon himself was a was basically you know just he was just like a paid he was just like a paid mercenary to just come in and and throw something together it didn't matter what it was just to get it out there so that they that it could have the Justice League name on it something that that follows all of the formulas you know, of a good superhero movie, you know, um, and, and the fact of taking, um, Cyborg, uh, you know, having his face out of the main, I have his face out of most of it. Um, I, I recently sat in on an interview with, um, Gina uh, Prince Bywood. She did, uh, Old Guard with Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, she talked about how she had to fight to get onto that movie. 
because she's known for like a lot of movies, but her movies are Love and Basketball and Disappearing Acts and, you know, movies that, you know, black women love and, you know, women of color, you know, still talk about as their favorites. And she was told that her type of movies don't sell wide. They don't cross over, you know, like the Atlantic very well, you know? That means that you know nobody nobody wants to see a black movie internationally, and I think that that's so untrue. Black- that's so not true. Like, that is like wow. The thing is, before, but the thing is, before Black Panther, you've got to understand. Before Black Panther, they didn't think that black movies would make money worldwide, and so I can see them taking Cyborg out of the out of every other scene because I mean you can't have this black superhero because it's not going to sell widely. People are going to think it's a black movie. You got you know, you got to have, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman and every other scene or one of them, you know. Or, and, and I, that would be an that's an interesting. Now that you bring that up, that's really interesting. I would love to see what the uh, what the numbers were as far as Blade worldwide. Mm-hmm. But well, Blade was a lot. It was years before, and Blade was during a different type of cycle where the you know you had those movies um kind of making some money um but then it just kind of they kind of stopped uh, making them with like black leads like that um and until you get to black panther and you know that billion dollars and it's like all of a sudden right right you know, yeah, right um and you knew what wanted to make black panther like Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I love I love that story. That to me that cuz that would have been amazing. I mean, a mm-hmm. uh, uh, Wesley Snipes led Black Panther. He had a lot of good ideas for it too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I was attitude, it won't they, it won't sell widely. It won't internationally. People internationally will not buy tickets to a black movie. And so I you know, I truly think that, you know, I also kind of have other thoughts about why Joss cut, you know, Ray out but of the picture, but I think one of the big reasons the studio wanted to cut down and chopped up like that is because um, it, the formula says the formula says black movies don't sell internationally. And but so, they needed the movie to be cut down to two hours, so they mm-hmm. cut out every, any. If you notice, that movie has any any ounce of character development that anybody may have had in that movie was cut mm-hmm. to shreds. No matter who they were, because the movie was cut down to two, down to two hours actually without the credits the movie is less than two hours in less than two hours yeah so you can't have a you can't have a superhero movie like that like like justice league that's meant to establish and effectively introduce these a lot of these characters like flash and cyborg in a way that's going to make them a household name in a movie that's technically under two hours you can't do that you have to have time to tell the story so uh, for me i feel like all the cuts and 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 trimmings and stuff that they cut out or they took out i'm wondering if all of that if all of that was done not only just not only for time but also to spite people that were loyal to Zack snyder Okay, so that's another theory of mine. <laughs> you know, because... Okay, so Ray said in the interview with the Queens, and he also said in my interview, I had an interview with him that was like 40, 45 minutes long. Um, where we just t- chatted, and he was so candid. He did the same thing he said to them about how Zach empowered him 
to before before they even wrote the script he sat down with zach and chris and talked about this character and what it meant to be this character and how to make him real and then while they were shooting he he gave him the agency to be able to say um cyborg wouldn't do this or this is not something cyborg should have to do because it's not in care it's not this is not realistic for the character and they they didn't push back they didn't try they didn't talk him down they didn't dismiss him they said okay and they made the changes now you got somebody like that who's been powered like that throughout the entire film <laughs> then you got like a director switch over and now this director's saying i want you to say booyah i want you to say hey man or you know whatever slapstick stereotypical black stuff and Ray Porter's trying to looking up him upside his head and like, what? what? <laughs> you know, no, I'm not doing that. Because he's been empowered this whole time to make this guy real. As real as can be. And now you want him to be a stereotype. I think that's, the re- what, that's one of the reasons, too, why he was cut so much is because he refused. He refused. And he said he refused. To, to make him and to make that character into a stereotype, and I think that's what that's what one another reason why he was cut so much. Yeah, but, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Car no, I, I, you know I, I yeah I I have to I'm inclined to agree with everything that you've just said. <laughs> it's 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 insane, and I, I, you, and you've said it. You've said it several. I've heard you say it a few times uh, too. Where you know, Justice League predates Black Panther, so yeah. So Ray Fisher's cyborg character would have been a household name prior to Black Panther, and would have oh, been yeah. something big, and could have been a role model for so many. Mm-hmm. And they totally and they yep. and they totally shafted him on that and and ruined it. Yeah. That's what makes it so important now that when this movie comes out, that we as fans continue to talk about it, continue to spread to spread the good news about it, and to just keep it you know to just keep it elevated at a very very high level so that people know that it's great, so that people know yeah. that it's something that and and honestly it. It, it can't. I, I love listening to people who say things like, "Oh, well, you guys are all just conditioned to love Justice League. You're going to love it no matter what it is now because you no. hated the theatrical version so much. You're just going to love it automatically no matter what." And it's like, "No, we're not going to love it automatically no matter what. We're going to love it because we because it's good because we know it's good because we know Zack Snyder gives us quality. We know it's going to be a beautiful film." And we know enough about it to know that it's already a thousand times better than anything that we got already. Honestly, that tra- right. that one little trailer that was released, that, that 30 seconds that was released earlier with, with Wonder Woman and Darkseid was better than yeah. the whole of the movie that we got theatrically. So how, how can anybody say that? Unless you're diehard against Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. you're not... You're not you you can't not be as a DC fan. How can you not be excited to see what what this movie is going to be? That's that's my thing. Well, and and I and I will add to that. The release of it alone is a victory. Exactly. The release. The release is a victory for uh, for Ray because, like you said, he should have been a household name, a role model. He should be. He should have been, you know, up there. 
um, as one of the superheroes we're talking about. He was robbed of that. Zach should have, his movie should have started a whole, his movie should be, you know, should have upended Endgame. Endgame should be another story. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, he should have a whole dynasty going right now. Um, and, and he was robbed of that. He was robbed of that. And so you, this is writing so many wrongs. You also got characters that were in that movie as um, superheroes that got their parts cut out. You had yeah. characters who were in that movie as, you know, they were, they were, uh, you know, supporting characters, but they were, you know, they were supporting characters in a, in a blockbuster superhero movie. So it should have made their careers. They got robbed, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, this, this is like, so releasing that is a victory for all of the, all of those reasons too. So, you know, good or bad. And I, so I said this to someone before and they, you know, just kind of, so you're going to like it anyway. You know, yes, I am, because it's going to be a victory. Just getting it released is a victory for a lot of people and a lot of different reasons. So, you know, good or bad, it's, I mean, it, no matter if the film's good or bad, having it released is a good thing. It's never going to be a bad thing. That's the way I feel. I'm still yeah. going to write a review of it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. It's. I mean, and, but we know. But you know, you and I, I here right now, we know it's going to be wonderful. We don't need. We don't have any because because we because we can we can base it off of what we already know. And oh, yeah. oh, we're yeah. in a position right now where we're conditioned at this point. We already know what we're going to get. It's going to be fantastic. But yes, and I mean, and it's like some of the stuff that's been leaked, and then some of the stuff that's been slipped to us. I don't know about you, but you know, some of the stuff that we we know that we can't say. Right. And, exactly. And, I, 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 I mean, like my whole uh, Green Lantern theory. I was talking about online. Some of the theories and stuff that we have. I mean, if my theory is correct, of course I'm going to be psyched. I mean, come on now. Um, so yeah, what's what's um, not to love? That's what I'm saying. It's just like I I, I get so I, I, I it, it's hard not to not to look at people that are that are trashing on this and just shake and just shake your head and just be like, wow. I mean, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what kind of movies you like, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I don't know. I think I, they, they like the, the hands-off effect. Okay, so so they, I, I've heard some people saying, "Well, the, they're supposed to give you the movie, you're supposed to watch it, and that's the only relationship." But I'm like, "That's your relationship. That's you." But aren't you missing something? I mean, come on, isn't it? I mean, I get to talk to my the director of the movie I like. I mean, and I got a shout out from Ray Fisher that's going to make my world for the rest of this week so you know can nobody tell me nothing i gotta shout out <laughs> you know it's so awesome um, so you know that i mean if you don't have that in your life and you don't want that in your life that's cool but don't knock me for having it because to me it makes it even better an even better movie experience Absolutely, absolutely. The movie experience should be interactive in a sense. And when you can yes. get that interactive experience and you can get involved in the way that we all were at Justice Con, if you, if we're going back to that, if you can get involved in a way where it's like we're, we've all become, we've all become, as a result of the release of the Snyder Cut movement, we've all become intimately involved with this movie. What is it? It's too, uh, uh, what is it? Associate producers? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 intimacy on a level that's that's ridiculous that you would never that you would never ordinarily see. But the idea that there's just so that these that these movies have made such an impact on so many people worldwide is is fascinating and is and is definitely worthy of a documentary. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the next big fan thing that we do is going to be a documentary. <laughs> Oh my God! I I would love to. Okay, so if anybody's out there thinking of making a documentary, come see your girl because I would love to be a part of that. That would be so amazing. Yeah, well, that's where so I'm at. I'm thinking about it in my head. Right? I've been thinking about it in my head for a while. I don't know. It's it's got to, it's say, got to happen. It's something that you come, know. It's come get me. Okay, come get me. That's what you're absolute, doing. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, where else do you get? Okay, so. Again, and I'm throwing this in too about how cool we that our fandom is. I don't know if you saw Ray Porter in Dark Side and his interview with the the, the Queens. Yes, he, yes. He's such a nice and cuddly guy. I just want to give him a big hug, you know. And so one of my questions, and they read the question to him, is how you're such a nice guy. How do you get into the character for Dark Side? And he he's his words. He said the only thing he said was. Villains don't think they're evil, but the the crossover from this nice guy to dark side was like seconds, milliseconds. You could see it in his eyes, and it scared the hell out of me by the time he got done talking. You know, <laughs> just from him talking, his voice, you could hear it, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's that's going to be that's going to be so that's going to be so menacing and crazy. I feel like Zack Snyder is vision for dark side is someone who's who's like 10,000 times more menacing than Darth Vader. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking oh, you well, I'm thinking this is going to be somebody that we're that we're with Ray Porter doing the voice. It's going to be something that we're <laughs> that we are not prepared for. <laughs> yes. I mean, even just I mean just the just the hearing the voice and seeing the, the the transition he made like in his face, it was like super scary. Like, okay, I'm sorry, I did, I, sorry, I'm an ass. Go back to the nice guy, please. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, it's gonna scare. I I can't. I'm thinking that seeing this on screen is going to be. I, I'm I'm. It's gonna be one of those movies I can't watch by myself. Almost nightmare inducing. It's gonna have. I, I feel like. I feel like it's gonna. There's gonna be horror elements. It's gonna have horror elements between you know all the dark side and Steppenwolf stuff, like horror stuff. And when I say horror stuff, I'm talking about like real scary horror, like Alien, like sci-fi horror type, Alien, scaly, you know, Geiger esque, like scary villains that will make your skin crawl that's what i'm thinking i I, that's just alone or i mean the fact that yeah i i mean if you look if you go back to the final crisis book and you look at what this the story is that the story could potentially have i know it's not exactly what final crisis is but final crisis is kind of a a loose roadmap right you look at that it, 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 this, this thing brought to life that brought to life is going to be scary as hell it's going to be scary as hell it's going to be like worse than it and it Absolutely. to me scared the crap out of me um, <laughs> yeah. so it's it's, it definitely like, is but I keep thinking of when I, when I think of like scary scaly Steppenwolf I keep thinking of aliens 
I keep thinking of seeing when they when he shows the when they talk a lot about the cocoons, you know, the parademon cocoons. I just keep mm-hmm. thinking for some reason. I just keep thinking of aliens. It has like a very that that thought that skin, you know, that silky, like all, scaly, silky skin. I'm yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it creeps it creeps oh me God. out just like, thinking about it. But it's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Like some of the '80s movies, like Critters or Trolls. I mean, they, yeah, like the yeah, eggs, right. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Think, okay. think, think along those lines. <laughs> but, uh, but on that note, you know what? I really, really want to thank you for joining me here tonight. This was fantastic. I loved having this kind of conversation with you. I, I knew ahead of time that this was how it would be because you're always so much fun to talk to. I loved it when you were on Four Nerds with us, and this was this was so much fun. And I feel like we were just kind of geeking out together while talking about all this stuff, and that's that's what my show is. I, I try to make my you know Zod Rider show to be about where people can just come and just you know say say the truth and 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 have fun while doing it. So thank you so much, Janita. Well, thanks for having me. This was amazing. Um, and I, I, you know, genuinely love, I loved being on your show, the show with the guys before. Um, but yeah, just getting here and just being able to talk this out and say these things, you know, like today, you know, just talking about the, the significance of Justice Con. Where else am I going to be able to talk about that um, and gush about it? You know, yeah, so I yeah, exactly. It, it just felt nice to be a, to be a fan and to fan out in with you, and I, I, I was super happy. I can't wait to have you on again and talk about more stuff. And I, you know, um, this was a wonderful episode. So yeah, once again, thank yeah. you. And I do want to thank everybody for listening. You've been listening to the Zod Rider Show on PSN-Radio.com, and if you missed the live uh, broadcast that we just that we just had you're going to be able to download it or or stream it on soundcloud and spotify uh within the next uh within the next couple of hours and i will see you next week bye okay